Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter number 6 this evening. John chapter 6. We are going to look at a lot of this chapter tonight. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. But uh, this is a point in time in the ministry of Jesus Christ where he had many turned back from him. We're going to look at this, kind of look at uh, how he talked to his 12 disciples, and kind of look at how he treated the crowd. And tonight... I'm going to preach to you a sermon on why are you following Jesus. I think that in this chapter, Jesus reveals to this crowd why they were following him. And he really brought them to a place where they had to make a decision. And they decided they were going to walk away from Jesus. So then when that happens, Jesus will turn to his disciples and ask them if, if they're going to go away as well. And uh, Peter, he actually has a very good response to the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at that tonight. John chapter 6, look starting in verse number 66. It says, From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. That's a sad verse to me in the Bible, that many of these disciples, these ones who had been following Jesus... They turned away from him and walked no more with him. When that happened, in verse 67, Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? So he turns to his twelve, who he has been working with. He has been mentoring them and just really investing time in them. And asked them a fair question. Are you guys going to walk away as well? And then, in verse 68, Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. So uh, what a a response from Peter. You know, sometimes Peter had a way of uh, saying things that he really shouldn't. He obviously was, was a man just like the rest of us. And the fact that he didn't always think right. But I tell you right here... The response that he gave Jesus is the reason we should all be following him tonight. So asking this, we're going to look at the crowd and consider why they followed him and kind of see what Jesus said to them. And then we'll look at Simon Peter and kind of look at his life. And then really at the end, Jesus talks about one in the twelve that was a devil talking about Judas. There was another follower of Christ who followed Jesus for other reasons and eventually would turn from him and be against him. So let's pray, go to the Lord in prayer, and just ask God to bless this service, and uh, then we'll get into the Word. Lord, we pray tonight that, God, you'd work in this passage of Scripture, work in our hearts and our minds. God, help us to see out of it what you would have us to. Uh, Lord, you know where everybody is at in this room tonight. I don't. But, God, I pray for them. I pray that those that may not be following you for the right reason... Maybe they don't even really know you yet, but they're here and they're in the services and they have an appearance to be following you, that God, you would show that to them tonight. God, we want you to work and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So uh, let's go back. Let's turn back a little bit. Uh, the beginning of this chapter, which we won't read, Jesus actually uh, feeds the 5,000. He has these, uh, this lad that gives him the loaves and the fishes, and he feeds these people. And uh, so these people, when they get this, when, when they're fed, they, they're really impressed with what Jesus is doing. And uh, look with me in verse number 14. This is after the miracle of him feeding them. Which, by the way, thinking about this miracle that Jesus performed, I know sometimes when we read Bible passages and, and we, uh, you know, we're familiar with them, they almost, and, and I hate to say it, but sometimes they kind of lose their, their awe and wonder to us. I mean, imagine Jesus taking these, just these little fishes and loaves, and he fed 5,000 people and had so much left over that they gathered it together. I mean, that's, that's amazing. If, if we saw that, I mean, I don't, I would, it would blow my mind. And it blew their mind as well. So in verse 14, it says, Then those men, these are the men that were fed, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is what the men said, This is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. So it seems like the men in this crowd really understand who Jesus is. It seems like they have a good concept of it. Uh, hold your place here, because they called him that prophet, and go to Deuteronomy chapter 18 really quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 18 There's a few verses on this, but we'll just look at verse number 18 and 19. This was, uh, you know, when Moses was leading them, and, and really uh, through God, God was giving this, uh, you know, he inspired Moses to let him know that there was going to be a prophet uh, that would be in, in, you know, risen up in Israel. And verse number 18 says this, I will raise them up a prophet. Notice the word prophet there is capitalized. It's talking about Christ. I will raise them up a prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And Jesus, as you know, if you study in the, in the Gospels, Jesus, when he came, he said, I'm really bringing the message from the Father. Really, verification, I mean, that this is not just, I mean, Jesus is God, we know that, but this is a message that came directly from God to his people. And then in verse number 19, And it shall come to pass that whosoever will not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. That's, a, that's quite a statement right there. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But so, so God promised this prophet that would be risen up. It would be among them. It would be really from them, one of them. And they said that we believe that this is that prophet that should come into the world. So right here, they're acknowledging, we believe Jesus is that prophet. And then, in verse number 15, when Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him a king, he departed again into the mountain himself alone. So not only do they believe he's a prophet, but they're, they're determined to make Jesus their king. Whether he wanted to be the king or not, I mean, he is going to be—he is the king. He will be the king, but it wasn't time for him to to rise up and be the king that the Old Testament prophesied of. That's not yet come. He will come back, and he will be king. 
But right here, they wanted to make him king. So they really believe that Jesus is that prophet, right? So when you first read this, you think, okay, these people at least have a good concept of who Jesus is. So then Jesus departs from them. Uh, then he walks on the sea. He, you know, he sends his disciples across in the ship. He walks on the water uh, in the middle of the night. They're afraid. He tells them, be not afraid. Um, so then this crowd is watching Jesus, these men. And uh, we'll skip ahead now to, uh, to verse number, let's go to verse 24. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. They're seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? So really, they're wondering, how did you even get over here, Jesus? <laughs> I mean, he didn't, he didn't get on a boat and go over. He walked across. So, I mean, once again, just all things kind of leading to, it looks like they're really, they're seeking after Christ. They want to follow him. They want to make him their king. They believe he's his prophet. So what is Jesus going to say to them? This is very interesting. Because Christ could have, uh, you know, just taken it all in that these people are loving him. But this is what he says in verse 26. Things are going to take a turn here. Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you. You might think he's going to say some loving statement about how great they are for following him. That's not going to be it. He said, Ye seek me not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. You know what he told them? You are seeking me because I filled your belly. I gave you something that satisfied you, it made you happy, and that's why you're coming here after me. Uh, really letting them know they're not seeking for the right reason, but you're seeking me. And then he told them in verse 27, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. Jesus said, I will give that to you. Notice that. Jesus is saying, I can give you bread that is different than this physical bread that you just ate, that will give you everlasting life. And then he said, For him hath God the Father sealed, letting him know that God had put his seal upon him. So these, these disciples, because in verse 66 it said these disciples walked away from him, which by the way, just because they're called the disciple doesn't mean they were, don't be tricked into thinking these are born-again believers, they're not. They're people that are just following after Jesus. And they, they have no idea who Jesus really is, even though they believe he's the prophet. Look at verse 28, what they said. They said, then said they unto him, what shall we do? Notice that. What shall we do that we might work the works of God? So here they're thinking, and this is what religion teaches a lot of times, what can I do to work the works of God. So they're thinking, okay, you know, Christ has given us these, he's letting us know there's this, there's eternal life, there's something wonderful that the Son of, so the Son of God can give us, but how can we attain that? What shall we do to get it? In verse 29, look at this, this is so important. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. Jesus told them, it's not about what you're going to do, it's about believing on him whom God had sent. 
That's the work of God. I tell you what, a lot of people think, how can I come to God? How, how can I ever gain favor in the sight of God? How can I do the works of God? Here's the answer tonight. Believe on Jesus. That's the answer. Now, obviously, after that, you know, we, there's so much more in life to teach. When you're a disciple, I mean, there are, there are key points that they must reach. And they had to get to the point, if they were going to continue to follow Jesus, they had to put their faith in Him. Jesus called them to that place. You're following for the bread, but I'm telling you there's something better than that. And they're like, what is that? How do we get this, Jesus? you got to believe on me. Now, you would think, okay, all these wonderful things Christ has done. He's, you know, he, saw, he, he, he showed them these things. He's done these miracles. Surely they're going to believe him, right? Look at verse number 30. Then said they, uh, then said therefore unto him, they said therefore unto him, I'm sorry, what sign showest thou then that we may see and believe thee? What dost thou work? I mean, when I read that, it kind of blows my mind. Was it not enough that Christ had just multiplied this fish and bread? That they would say, okay, Christ, okay, Jesus, what are you going to show me? How can you prove that you are who you say you are? You know, and that, that's just, that's unbelief is what it is. I mean, they're, they, and, and one thing about the Jews, we know this about the Jews, the Bible declares it. They always wanted to see a sign before they would believe. They struggled with that, right? Um, and I'm, I'm telling you, there are still people in the world today that would believe God. If, did God, if you would just show me this, I would trust in you. God, if you would just do this, I would believe that you're true. But I want to tell you today, one day, we're going to stand before Jesus, and you're going to, you're going to know that he's real. You know, tonight I can tell you he's real. Tonight I can tell you with all my heart, just like Peter said to Christ, I believe that you're the Christ. Tonight I tell you, I declare this, I believe that Jesus is Christ that he came to this earth, that this book that I'm reading you, reading to you here tonight is truth. I believe that with all my heart. But that's not enough for you. Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Do we really believe that Christ is the one that can give eternal life? If you're just following, and there, and there are many different reasons why people follow Jesus. But maybe you're following because, you know, as, as a young person, maybe you're following tonight because your mom and dad have brought you to church and this is just what you've known. But Christ has never really been real to you. I want to tell you, you, when you stand before him, the faith of your mom and your dad is not enough to get you into heaven. It's not enough to get you forgiven. You have to believe it. This crowd was challenged. And Christ said, I am the one who gives eternal life, and this is the work of God. Believe on me. And what did they do? Well, we found out in verse 66, they turned and they walked away from Jesus. When I think about this story, how could Christ have given a more compelling message and really verified who he was more than he did and right in front of these people? And they still didn't believe. I want to tell you tonight, there are some people... You've heard sermon after sermon after sermon, 
and you've never made Christ real in your life. And when you stand before Him, you're, you're going to be, I'm telling you, you'll be judged according to His Word. Meaning this, if you've rejected Him and His Word, that's it. That's, that's what you're going to be judged by. We're going to be judged by the words of Christ, by His Word. So tonight, if you're following Christ just because someone else is doing it, know Him. Know Him. Don't do it because someone else does it. It's amazing to me that this great multitude would walk away from Jesus. But you know what it tells me? That there's a lot of people that would walk away from Jesus because He's never been real in their life. I know that sometimes in our day and age, people get caught up in a big church, right? The bigger the church, they probably feel like it's more spiritual. You have this great following, this great crowd of people. But I want to tell you something today. Christ lost all of his followers here except for 12 men. And, I mean, he's the greatest preacher ever, right? So we can't judge by number. We can't judge by just how many come through the door. It would be sad to have a church filled from front to back with people that didn't even know who Jesus was. Wouldn't that be a sad thing? But I'm telling you, there are churches across America that are filled with people who don't really know who Jesus is. And some of it's because there are, you know, there's a false prophet behind the pulpit preaching a false message. And that's sad. That's sad to know. But I'm telling you, there are going to be many people in the day of judgment who are going to say, Jesus, all these things I did for you, I followed you. I gave this to you. I gave you my time, my devotion. Lord, I've done all these things. And what does the Bible say? Depart. He's going to tell them, depart from me. Because he didn't know. You never, I never knew you. They didn't have that relationship with Jesus. Nothing replaces that relationship. There is nothing you can do that will ever get you close to God until you come to Christ and believe that he is. God has made the access. He's made it so easy, hasn't he? But yet, sometimes we complicate it so much as, as, as humans. So here are these people. They're, they're leaving. They're, they're following Christ. But now they're leaving because they don't really want to hear his words. I'm not going to go through all of this tonight because it would take way too long. And there's just too much context here. But uh, Christ talks about how he... Because they asked him about Moses. You know, he gave the bread in the wilderness... Look in verse 41. This is the Jews talking. The Jews, because Christ said, I'm the, I'm the bread from heaven. I'm truly the bread from heaven. And you need to eat of this. But then uh, the Jews then murmured, verse 41, at him, because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. They didn't like the words that Jesus said. They didn't agree with his message. And they said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I am come down from heaven? So here they are disagreeing with the message of Christ. They said, how can he come down from heaven? How is he preaching this message to us? And we know who his mom and his dad are. So now they're really starting to murmur. They're starting to complain. They don't like this message. Tonight I was, you know, I started off asking you, why are you following Jesus? Tonight I want to tell you that when Christ was on this earth, he gave us very specific information about following him about living our lives for him and one thing i can tell you that jesus said 
It's not always easy and convenient to follow him. Uh, Pastor Wise preached, and it wasn't too long ago. Look, we'll just look real quick at Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. You know, Christ, He always spoke the truth. He did it very gracefully. He did it very... I mean, and, and to me, like as I read about it, He was always just honest and upfront with the people. He never tried to hide. He never tried to trick somebody into following Him. So in my mind, in my opinion tonight, if you had to convince a person to follow Jesus, they're not doing it for the right reason. If I had to sit up here and preach to you a message why you need to follow Jesus and just kind of pull you along and drag you all the way, then really you miss the whole thing. Because you should follow Christ because He is who He says He is. Verse 25 of Luke 14. Notice this in verse 25. And there went great multitudes with Him. So once again, Jesus has this, this great following. And He turned and said unto them, so here it is. Here's his convincing, compelling speech. This is how I'm going to get people to follow after me. I have this great multitude. I'm going to tell them this right here in verse 26. If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So you're thinking, okay, Christ, I mean, you have all these people following you. You're not really helping your case to convince them to follow you. But here's the thing. Christ, he told the truth. He said, if you're going to follow me, it's going to cost you something. By the way, when you read that word hate, don't think that he actually wants you to hate somebody. It's, it's to actually place them under him, to love your family less than you love God. Now, there are some people that probably cringe when you say that. That you have to love God. You have to love Jesus above your wife, your husband, your children, your mom, your dad. You say, what? Yeah. And here's the thing. If I love Jesus first, then I'm going to love everybody else like I should. And that's the truth. Some people might say, well, that's the truth. If we put Jesus Christ in His place then we will have the right relationship with our husband, our wife, our children. But if we get it out of place, then we're in danger, right? And God even told us, really, with Moses and the, with the Ten Commandments, that you love God above all else. Nothing's above Him. So it's no different. It's no surprise when Christ says this. So then Jesus, He talked about how, you know, you have to count the cost if you're going to build a house. And he kind of goes through, the, through these examples. In verse 33, he said, So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now, some people might look at that and say, You know what, Jesus? I don't want it. In fact, there's a lot of people that say that. You know what? If that's what it costs, that's all right. I'm going to pass. I want to tell you something tonight. And, and, and don't just take my word for this. Find out for yourself. Living for Jesus is the best life you could ever live. Now, the world's going to tell you different. It's going to put things out there and say, you know what, you can have so much better a time if you just do this, this, and this, and it's going to be in front of your face. But I'm telling you, there is no greater life than living for Him. 
Now, that doesn't mean that life is easy. Don't fall into a trap. And I'm telling you, some of these churches that have these great followings, they don't preach a message that it costs something to follow Jesus. They preach a message that if you follow Jesus, all your wants and desires and everything's just going to be wonderful and great. They preach this message. Some people say if you follow the Lord, your health is going to be great. You're not going to experience any problems. You're going to have wealth if you give to God. God's just going to give you more money than you can even handle. There are people out there preaching this message to people. And I want to tell you tonight, that's not what God told us. You know what? Sometimes you're going to suffer. I'm going to tell you that. Sometimes when you follow God, you're going to suffer. Sometimes you're going to follow the Lord, and you might even say, God, is this really, is this really worth it? God, what am I doing here? God, why am I going through all these trials just to follow you? But keep trusting them. Because in the end, and it may not even be in this life, I'm not going to promise you in this life, if you give to the Lord, you're going to be a millionaire. If you give to the Lord, all your health problems are going to just vanish by tomorrow morning. That might not happen. But I will tell you this. If you give your life to God and you live for Him, when you stand before Him, you will never regret Anything that you gave to God. Nothing. I promise you. You say, well, I want to see it right now. I can't promise that. I can't promise you that right now God's just going to say, you know what? I'm just going to give you everything. You know what Paul, and I'm not going to turn there, but he said he learned how to be everything. He learned how to, you know, to, to be humble, but he learned, he learned all these things. I learned how to suffer and, and, and have need. But then he said, I learned how to abound and have everything that I needed. But you know what he said, in all things, I, I'm trusting in the Lord. And I want to tell you tonight, we need to learn not how to say, God, give me what I want and everything I desire. And if you don't, Lord, I'm going to be unhappy. Say, Lord, you've given everything to me. It's just a little bit that I can give my life to you. Sometimes we're so selfish. We feel like, God, if I just give you so much, I expect you to do so much in return. Forgetting all about Calvary. Forgetting all about the fact that Jesus Christ took every one of your sins upon his body and he bore it on that tree for you. And we say, Lord, it's not fair. God, I'm doing this and I just don't feel like you're, you're blessing. I want to tell you tonight, get that nonsense out of your head and say, Lord, I trust you. This world's not my home. I got, if you bless me and you give me a million dollars, praise God. If you don't, that's okay. As long as my needs are met, right? In America, the culture is so spoiled, so entitled, that people just feel like they should have everything they want. I uh, was listening to talk radio on the way to work the other day, and they talked about, and I can't remember the percentages because I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, but they talked about how, and it was a, a crazy amount of percentage of people who even if they have a cell phone that is working, right? Cell phone. Because iPhone, they're coming out with, what is it, 15? I don't know what it is, 15 maybe? But anyway, they said a percentage of people who have to have a brand new phone every time it comes out just because they have to have a phone. Not because my phone doesn't work. Not because, you know, my battery's dying. And then, <laughs> so these people feel like, I have to have this right away. God, if I don't get this new iPhone, I just don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> Hopefully nobody thinks that way. But... In all reality, in our culture, people are so 
I'm telling you, they're so entitled to stuff that they, I think that we've become so, um, I mean, so soft is what I would say as Christians in America that it's kind of sad. And, you know, Jesus, as he preaches to this crowd, he's letting them know what they must do, but they, they hated this message. And it just reminds me of how our world is today, too. They don't want to hear a message if they don't like it. Uh, look with me, if you're back in John chapter 6, look in verse 59. Christ has given uh, more of his message. He keeps telling them that uh, you know, he's the bread from heaven. And then he told them, you have to eat of my flesh and, and drink of my blood. Which, by the way, that is, uh, that's not a literal thing. So if there's ever a religion, which there are some, that say when you take communion, this is the literal body and blood of Christ. That is not the truth. Jesus Christ is just making this statement, you have to actually receive me. But anyway, verse 59, it says, These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And that's all that Jesus Christ was teaching them. And then it says, Many therefore of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? You know what they said? We, <laughs> I just can't accept this. I can't accept this message. I mean, he's preaching this, but I just, it doesn't set well with me. I don't agree with this. I just, and that's what they were doing. We don't, we're, we can't, we don't accept this message. This is too much for us. And then verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, this is what he says, doth this offend you? Does this offend you? Does my, do my words offend you? Now, Christ didn't ask that so he could change his words. <laughs> He was just asking, is this, is this offensive to you? Imagine if you asked our culture today if something offended them. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's crazy to me how offended people can get at the very simplest things in our culture today. Um, we, have a, we have a society that gets offended by truth, right? Things that are true, things that are right, things that are blatantly obvious, you can get offended by that. I don't, I'll never in my mind understand the level of, of offense that people take in our culture, in our world today. You know, sometimes, and, and this is even with people that, uh, that don't know the Lord, they're not saved. Sometimes, you know, joking around with my boss, because in all reality, and, and, and this is a sad state that we're in, and I, I don't want to offend anybody, but I'm going to say it. Um, you know, sometimes you can say, um, yes, sir, or yes, yes, ma'am, and you can offend somebody. And what I mean by that is they might really be a sir or a ma'am, but they could get offended at that and say, that's not what I want to be called anymore. We live in this culture that has just taken the truth and said, you got to treat me the way that I want to be treated or I'm going to get offended. You have to speak the message that I want to hear or it's going to offend me. What do you think Jesus Christ would have done? He would have preached the truth, right? Because right here, what did he do? Does this offend you? Does this message offend you? Guess what? It's the truth. And Jesus didn't say, let me change it. Let me try to get a bigger following. Let me just, you know, I, I understand the, the, they're getting upset now. No, he kept going with the truth and they walked away from him. I want to tell you, church, if the world is offended at Jesus... That doesn't mean that we stop preaching Him. If the world is offended that you're a Christian, 
that you believe in Jesus Christ, don't let them change your message. Don't let them change how you view truth. You know, I love that Jesus, he, he turned it on to Peter and he said, he said to his disciples, will you go away also? There are many reasons why people get offended. There are many reasons why people follow Jesus. Some because they want to get what they want out of life. But I want to tell you today, Christ is not some kind of genie in a bottle to just get you out of your troubles and give you all your heart's desires. He's the Savior. And He died for your sins. And there's only one way that we can get to heaven. That's by accepting Him. And Peter... He had a handle on this, verse 68. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Jesus, we have nowhere else to turn. And then he said, Thou hast the words of eternal life. I want to tell you, this is a man right here who would stand up for Jesus until the day he died. Now, I do realize that Peter, you know, he made a mistake. He denied the Lord three times. We know that. That's in the Scripture. But I want to tell you, Peter's life It was defined by his love for Jesus Christ and the fact that he would not back down and he would not change his message. I want to tell you today, church, let your light shine in this dark world. We're going to turn over to Acts. This will be the last place that we turn in the Scriptures tonight. Acts chapter 5. We're getting close to being done here. Acts chapter number 5. I'm not going to read all of this story because, once again, it's kind of a lengthy passage, but we'll, I'll give you an overview of this. The disciples were, uh, they were doing what they should have been doing. They were preaching about Jesus Christ. The church was growing. In chapter 5, you see Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira as they lied to the Holy Ghost and they died. The Lord took them. But all these believers are being added to the church. The Bible says in verse 14 of chapter 5, believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women. And I'm telling you, this church was just exploding in growth. Amazing things happening here. People believing on Jesus. Well, obviously, there were the rulers that they didn't like this. So what did they do? They they would imprison the disciples and... uh, then they would tell them, you can't preach this name anymore. You can't go, you can't preach Jesus, you got to stop. You guys are filling Jerusalem with the doctrine, and you guys, you got to quit. So uh, the Lord had opened up the gates in the prison cell. They went out, they preached again. They were so amazed because they're like, how did this even happen? We put them in here. How are they out there preaching again? I love it because these disciples were so bold. I mean, imagine being thrown in prison, right? And they're, ta- they're telling them, you, I'm telling you right now, you're not going to preach in this name anymore. And what do they do as soon as they get out of prison? Uh, let's go preach his name again. So they did. It was good. I mean, I, I love the boldness. And, and by the way, let these kind of things encourage you. This should be us. You know, and, and, I, and I speak to myself too, so don't think I'm you know, just judging on people because I, I have an issue sometimes in, my, in sharing my faith. Sometimes we have to be pushed to share our faith in Jesus Christ, right? Someone has to push us. They have to push us out and say, hey, I want you to go witnessing. I want you to do this. And there's a push for it. They had to try to pull them back because they were doing too much. The people are like, no, no, don't preach anymore. Everybody's believing on you. They were pulling them back saying, you're doing too much. If only that was said of us, right? Man, Mount Zion's doing too much. 
They're out in the community. They're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. God's moving. You know that's when Satan's like, man, i got to stop these guys somehow. <laughs> I can't get a handle on this. So anyway, they're out there. They're, they're preaching. And uh, uh, so, so they get brought back before this council. And uh, they were told. They asked them. They said, didn't we straightly tell you? Verse 28. They asked the disciples, did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us? They said, you're going to blame us for the crucifixion of Jesus? I mean, I think they're feeling guilty here even. How dare you do that? Didn't you, didn't, didn't you hear what I told you to do? Stop preaching. I think we live in a culture today here in America. I mean, if the government said to us, hey, you can't preach the name of Jesus anymore. I think there would be some churches that would be like, yeah, I guess I can't do anything else. I'm done. My hands are tied. The government told me not to. I don't want to be in that crowd. They can't tell us to stop, right? You say, well, man, I mean, what? Look, and, and, and let's look at Peter's response here, because this is so wonderful in verse 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. You know what Peter said? I heard you. I heard the message you said. You told me to stop. You told me not to teach or preach in this name anymore. But guess what? God matters more to me than what man says. You can tell me to stop. You can lock me up in prison. And then they're even going to beat them. They're going to beat them. This man actually stands up, uh, Gamaliel, and he says, uh, he, he, he puts a little reason into him. And he said, hey, if this is of God, you can't do anything to stop it. If it's just a work of man, it's going to fade out over time. But if it's God, you're not going to be able to even stop them. So he kind of like tries to talk at least a little bit of reason into them saying, I mean, he was smart enough to know, hey, you can't stop God. Um, that was verse 39 where he says that. And then uh, look in verse 40. And to him they agreed, saying, okay, you're right. If it's a work of God, we can't stop it. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. So they beat them just on the way out, like, hey, just a reminder, we're in charge, we're going to beat you, don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And what did they do? They stopped preaching in the name of Jesus? No, they kept going. <laughs> they kept going. What if that was us today? You know, for those of you in this room who Christ doesn't, and I, you, maybe you're even saved. But Christ is not really your entire focus in life. If someone came to you and did this to you, it would be very easy for you to get discouraged and say, I'm done, I'm not going to do it anymore. I can't do this. I suffered. This was too much for me. Let me show you what they said in verse 41. Look at what they did. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. Look at that word, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to, preach and pre uh, to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They didn't stop. In fact, they, don't, they didn't just keep going, but they actually rejoiced and said, Lord, we were counted worthy to suffer for your name. Is that our view of Christ tonight? I'm worried that too often people have this 
Their, their, their faith is just kind of shallow. To where, yeah, Jesus saved them. Yeah, they have, you know, they put their faith in Him. But they're not really to go the distance. Obviously, we have jobs to go to, right? But I tell you what, that shouldn't stop us from sharing our faith about Jesus Christ and who He is. Let people know I'm a follower of Jesus. Well, what if, you know, and, and sometimes, and I'll, and I'll be honest, especially in my younger days, knocking on doors. You know what the hardest part was? Is, is wondering what the person behind the door was going to say to you, right? Just kind of feeling, maybe I'm going to be embarrassed. Or maybe I'm, you know, I don't, whatever. You have all these things flooding your mind. And then you have these men right here that were beaten and said, don't you preach in that name again. And they said, you know what? Praise God, we were beaten for Christ. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Do we have that kind of, really, that relationship with Jesus Christ? This is not something that was just, you can say, oh, that was just, you know, back in the day in the New Testament time when Jesus was around. That can be real in your life tonight. Did you know that? That can be real. Just like Peter said to Jesus, we have nowhere else to go. We believe that you're the Christ. That can be you. But is that you? Is your faith in Christ so strong and your walk with God so strong that nobody could deter you from Him? If the government came in and said, hey, no more, you got to shut this down, what would you do? You say, well, that is never going to happen. I'm telling you, it might happen. It might happen. They might come in here and say, hey, guess what? No more. You can't do this anymore. You can't talk about Christ anymore. You can't preach this message anymore. And if you think that'll never happen, I mean, you need to wake up because I'm telling you, our world is getting to a place where everything offends them and you have to watch what you say now. But guess what? Obey God and not man. Obey God and not man. If man tells me I can't preach Christ, who are you going to follow? I'm going to follow Jesus. But I will tell you, church, I'm not saying that I am so bold that I would just be automatically like Peter. But I want to be like that. I want to have that kind of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want that kind of relationship with Him that no matter what happens or who tells me I can do what I can do, that I say, God is my leader. God is the one who I follow. And I just want to say, as Christ turned to His disciples, it would have been easy to see that crowd walking away and say, man, look at everybody leaving. But they, you know, but Peter said, no, it's, it's you, Jesus. You're my reason. You're my focus. And that's what the crowd didn't have. They weren't really following Christ. They wanted to make him king because they wanted their desires met. This is what we want. They wanted Christ because their bellies were full with the fish and the loaves. They didn't follow Christ because they loved him. They didn't follow Christ because they believed that he really was the Messiah. They just like the concept of who they thought he was. And I want to say tonight, are you following Christ because of who he is? Because he has the words of eternal life. Because he is king and master in your life. Are you just kind of following because you're here tonight? I want to tell you, make things right with God tonight. We're going to have a short invitation.